Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Joshua T. Berglund, and we are live right now on the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, today is going to be a lot of fun. Of course, I say that with every broadcast, but I and I mean it when I say it because I love broadcasting. I love getting to meet people from all over the world, get to hear different uh, different stories, people that are up to different things, and it's it's one of my favorite things I get to do in life, and I get to do some fun stuff. But this for me is special. Today we have an amazing guest. We have a gentleman that's running for office and uh, he's actually, I've, I've had the pleasure of interviewing his wife and twin sister um, on a different project that I was working on. And I got to tell you, any man that could be married to such a strong and powerful woman, um, I got to tell you, this has got, he's got my vote because it's tough. And I'm not saying this, this is not a knock on anyone. I'm just saying having a strong, confident, outspoken woman that's that can be a challenge sometimes, and and it's not something that's real common. But his 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 wife is a fearless warrior, um, is passionate about fighting for what's right. I'm inspired by her, and the little bit that I've gotten to know our guest Jeff today, uh, where I haven't gotten to know him today, but just reading a little bit about him and what he's all about, he inspires me too, because I would think that. I, I don't know if he's had political aspirations when he was growing up or not. I have no clue. But I'll tell you, what I what I can see from what I know so far is this is a man that sees a problem and he has a solution. And, he, and he's ready to step up and fight for the rights of what's right. And, and to me, what he's fighting for is common sense. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on all of that. Um, and listen, and also I want to make this clear. I want to give a, um, what do you call that when you're you're warning people? <laughs> like I, anything that comes out of my mouth is on me. Um, any questions that are asked or anything like that, or if I talk about my faith, this is not, you know, this is not a reflection on Jeff because honestly, I don't know his beliefs. I don't know what it's about. So I don't want to pigeonhole anybody by the things that I say. I stand for what I say. I say what I want to say. No one controls me. That's why I have my own network. Um, and I'm grateful for that. But I, so with that said, I want to say this. I, I just happened to open my Bible just a second ago. And, and I've been reading Isaiah, but Luke 1 opened up. And the very, this is super short, but I'm going to read it. But it just spoke loudly to me immediate. And I, I love how God can do that sometimes. But this is a Mary song of praise. Mary said, with all my heart, I praise the Lord. And I'm glad because of God, my Savior. God cares for me, his humble servant. From now on, all people will say, God has blessed me. God, all powerful, has done great things for me. And his name is holy. He always shows mercy to everyone who worships him. The Lord has used his powerful arm to scatter those who are proud. God drags strong rulers from their thrones and puts humble people in places of power. I think this is so timely. I, this is only God. God gives the hungry good things to eat and sends the rich away with nothing. God helps his servant Israel and is always merciful to his people. The Lord made his promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his family forever. And of course, I read that our guest is running for office. But one of the things that I hope and I'm praying for is that we will have a rise of 
humble leaders, men and women alike. Because right now, this nation, in my opinion, these are my opinions here, has been overruled by a bunch of dictators and selfish and greedy people that have that have just they've polluted a beautiful land that we are blessed to live in here in America. And um, I'm inspired by normal, humble men, and I say that respectfully, that decide that, you know what, I'm going to step up, I'm going to run for office, and I'm going to fight for change. And not, not the kind of change they put in the marketing slogans, but the kind of change that has a positive impact, not just on the world, but our communities, our states, our country, our children, and also fighting for the voiceless, the people that have been left behind, the people that have been taken advantage of by these political elite. So I'm inspired by people that are stepping up and saying, you know what, I can make a difference. So ladies and gentlemen, we're, you're in for a great show today. I'm super excited to get to know our guest, and we will be right back after this quick, quick, very short video. <laughs> You want them rolling out the red carpet, the red carpet, the red carpet. You want them rolling out the red carpet, the red carpet, the red carpet. You want the finest things, the diamond rings, the designer jeans, all minor things in the widest scheme. But at what cost to realize your dreams? Then bleed in the wheel more, put the crown of thorns on, spill more. My mic bloody cause I kill more, but I'm still poor. Bottom is where I started, but I get to the top and park it. Thug up in a harlot, my battery needs charging. And to reach my target is the illest in the market. It's some liquid from my arteries, will spill onto the carpet, yeah. Everybody want fame, nobody wanna work for it. Know your name, don't wanna see no hurt for it. You wanna What's up, everybody? We're back. Uh, my name is Joshua T. Berglund, and so blessed to have you here. You can find our network by downloading uh, the Look Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network on Vimeo. Sorry, not Vimeo, on Roku or Amazon Fire, your favorite podcast networks, or even you can uh, find us on your smart TVs by downloading the E360 app. So blessed to have you here. Um, this is, good, like I said, this is going to be fun. I'm excited about this. Uh, and not only because he is in Laguna Niguel, who's born and raised there. It's by far the, my favorite place I think I've ever lived. Um, in fact, I still believe I'm a resident of Laguna Niguel, uh, even though I haven't been there in a few years. And uh, technically still a resident. So that means I get to vote for our next guest. You guys, uh, listen, there's a lot of cool little highlights of this guy, but I'm just going to let you hear it from him. I'm so excited to talk to him. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one and only Mr. Jeff Von Wahlberg. What's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> hey, Joshua. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Blessed to have you here, man. I uh, 
First things first, Jeff, before we get into all the fun questions and the conversation, what are you grateful for today and why? Oh, man, I'm, I'm grateful to be here in this opportunity. Um, I've actually never done a, a podcast or a show like this, so uh, slightly nervous, but I'm grateful. I'm leaning in and uh, just going to experience it and have fun. Well, man, you're running for office. You're going to have <laughs> cameras in your face and all kinds of stuff. So this is uh, the first of many, and uh, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, but I got to tell you, I'm looking at your background and it looks like you could do anything in the world, and you chose politics. Why? <laughs> yeah, I guess, um, I mean, on one level, I'd say politics chose me. It's definitely not something. So your intro was spot on. Uh, we can get into all the uh, living with a powerful woman stuff maybe a little <laughs> later on. But, uh, you know, my background is I, I grew up, um, I grew up actually in Northern California, moved down here in Laguna Niguel uh, about 22 years ago. Um, but I own a software company. I, I started right out of college. I started answering phones and doing support. I now own the company and uh, I've got 25 employees. I uh, absolutely love what I do. I'm passionate about it. I would never even think to, to do anything other than that. It's exactly what I always dreamed of. I, um, we, we work with government agencies. We help veterans apply for disability benefits. And uh, I'm not a veteran, but it, it just lights me up. I feel like I missed a calling. I did not enlist after 9-11. It was something that was on my mind. And, um, you know, for lots of reasons, probably my comfortable life, my my wonderful girlfriend, who's now my wife at the time, uh, just decided it wasn't, wasn't my time to step up and serve the country. Uh, but now, professionally, I get to help uh, our users, our county agencies across the country. So we help, uh, we provide software to them. They sit down with veterans. They figure out where they serve, what kind of issues they have, hearing, you know, limb ptsd all that stuff they file the claims with the va and uh, i i i see the the claims go out i see money rolling into our our veterans pockets and uh, it really just lights me up every day first of all uh i want to commend you for that because i i worked in healthcare for 18 years before i got into entertainment and media and uh you know i know that fight that they go through i mean working with all the vas around the country um, and then, of course, the healthcare system as a whole, just that fight. And it really does take a community because the thing is with the patients, and you can generalize them whether veteran patients or not, they're, they have a disability and they're looking for their benefits or just how do I, how does healthcare work for me instead of against me? There's a lot of things that people don't know. And there's a lot of programs out there that are available that you know a lot of veterans and even people with disabilities because i know that you're passionate about senior care too and the families like sometimes these accidents happen where they become disabled or they need this care and it happens so quick and if their case manager at the hospital or the va for instance is not on the spot and has not given them all the information like the patients are at the mercy of their caregivers and that can be a terrifying thing with some of these situations I see them in. So anyone that anytime I see somebody that's making it easier for seniors and veterans to be able to navigate life after they're done with their, their you know, the, the main part of their life, I guess, that, that that's pretty cool. What inspired you to get into that? Yeah, so it's actually um, an offshoot of our, our larger uh, software. So we, we, our primary software for the last, however many years has been um, guardianship software. So we work with um, public guardians, public administrators doing case management and accounting software. 
and that that's a whole other area that I, I'm passionate about. Like you mentioned, elder care and, and things like that. This is uh, if you're not familiar with what those agencies do, uh, Britney Spears is is probably the highest profile case. Yeah. She was handled by a public conservator, I believe it was her father. Um, but people who don't have money like that they don't have people interested in spending their time and resources to take care of them. So the counties typically are appointed guardian of the person in the state. Um, so we provide software to do that. So long story short, uh, one of our customers was also the veterans service officer for their county. They liked what we did on one side of the, the agency and asked if we could build something for the veterans office. And um, it's, it's uh, you can imagine the DMV mixed with um, healthcare it's a it's a it's a tough spot, but we've we've yeah. been able to do some really cool things with modernization, allowing there. I mean, they're still faxing these forms to the VA, so we we figured out some electronic ways to fax and also an API uh, with the VA back in DC. How has learning this the, the technology side of life? How do you think that that has prepared you for stepping into a potential role as? <laughs> what, what are you actually running for? Yeah, it's city council here in Laguna okay. Niguel. Okay, so how do you think that that has prepared you the most for a city council role? Uh, good question. So, um, let's see. So, I majored in philosophy in college, um, which has nothing to do with software or anything like that. So, one thing that I'm, I'm good at is just learning things. I, I love to hear different opinions. I can translate. Um, at this point, I can translate geek to English. Um, you know, I can translate English back to geek and we can, we can, get um, so, you know, in terms of the politics stuff, I, I'm good at working with people. I've worked with social workers across the country. I've worked with, you know, administrators and different agencies. Uh, I've, I've negotiated contracts with, um, government agencies. So flipping the tables and being on the other side of that, uh, I think I can help the city, you know, in, in those regards, I've managed budgets for my, my company, um, you know, HR, everything from, you know, soup to nuts. That's, that's my domain in the company. So I'm, I'm able to, you know, kind of crosswalk things and get things done. Do you think that like, I don't, so with the role of city council, that's because a lot of people, you know, when they think politics, they think, well, they see what they see on TV, the, you know, the, we just have to say the <laughs> union address, the yeah. white house, and then they have their local senators and things like that. What is the main function of the city council? Yeah, so I, I was that guy. I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a conservative. I spent most of my life just focused on building my business and, and loving my family. And uh, beautiful family, uh, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Um, and uh, it, you know, we're kind of getting into the reason for running, but uh, the pandemic hit, and I saw how um, how important local government was, and you know, seeing how California handled things versus Florida and Texas, and and even different cities within those states, and uh, it, and I just saw the the lack of leadership, and and um, said, you know, what can I what can I do to make a difference? You know, I don't I don't want to be president. I really don't want to be governor. Um, you know, I don't have the, the resources to donate huge sums of money. I can't be, uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg. Um, what can I do? So I started looking, you know, even more local and saw the city council. And um, I honestly had to do some research and figure out what they do. It, it, you know, in my in my uninformed opinion about six months ago, you know, are we arguing about putting new bike racks at the library or, or you know, is there something here that I can bite onto and make a difference? And uh, the conclusion I came to was, you know, there, there is a lot. City council is actually very important. Um, 
here locally we can make decisions about um, ordinances we can we can um, you know do do uh, what do they call them memorandums of something and support our teachers and and support the police and support different things and maybe ineffectual because we're, we're kind of swimming upstream against sacramento but um, you know at least if we can if we can help our small businesses here stay open by by telling them we're not going to enforce certain things uh, we can we can create a little community here that that uh, is in line with my values and I think a lot of other people's values. Yeah, I was really surprised when I moved to Laguna. Um, it was from I left LA, moved to Laguna, then went to San Diego, then back to LA. Um, I but Laguna Nigel reminded me of the Midwest in a way, but with ocean views <laughs> and uh, beautiful hills. But one thing I remember uh, they. I remember when I lived there at the city hall, which was they, which was just newly built, I think, or it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's gorgeous. Yeah. But when I got to know the community, I went to a couple of the, um, that was, what are those local meetings they have? And I'm brain farting right now, forgive me. <laughs> but I got to meet a lot of the community leaders. And I got to tell you, people in Laguna Nigel really, really love their community. And they, mm -hmm. and they're very active and proactive in what is happening there. So while COVID is going on and all the craziness of you need to mask or not, you need to jab or not, all that stuff, was there was there disarray in the community there or was it just, was leadership failing? Yeah, and it, um, I guess the answer is no. I, I think we, we've we had good leadership. Um, it wasn't a, you know, I, I kind of wish there was something I could point at and say, this is it, this is my, you know, this is why I'm running, I'm gonna stop that. Yeah, I think overall they they did well, um, but I, I you know looking out four years I see uh, what's going on in Los Angeles with the homeless and and uh, drug problems and gangs and being in between that and the border and just you know four or five years out what what's coming down the pipe for the city I, I know that if I'm still living here I want to have a seat at the table to make some decisions on how we handle these things and and you know all for handling it humanely and treating people with care and respect. Um, but we need to make sure we've got people willing to make tough decisions in the right spots. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I I, I immediately thought of Laguna Nigel. Um, I lived, I moved to, ended up moving to downtown Minneapolis. I was here visiting when the riots broke out with the whole George Floyd incident, and we started going downtown to serve food to the National Guard and and even to some of the protesters too, and. Um, I just felt in my spirit that I was supposed to stay here, which I was like, I want to go back to LA. And, <laughs> uh, but we got very involved in the community downtown and uh, I loved serving there. And I, I loved, I just loved the vibe. And, but really too, with being able to serve the homeless there and work with them and getting to know how that all worked because every LA homeless and Minnesota homeless, they're two different animals, but there's still chronic problems. Well, anyway, so after the trial, the violence got worse downtown, not better. You would have thought it would have gotten better. It got way worse. Anyway, so after this happens, we end up moving to a little area called Prior Lake. And it's a beautiful lake community. I mean, I'm, it's, I, I, I love it. It's gorgeous. But we started seeing homeless, the homeless out here. And I was like, that is weird. I go, I bet I'm, I'm curious. And it made me think, I wonder if the homeless have started you know, navigating their way to Laguna Nigel, because when I was there, it wasn't really a problem. I didn't really see too many homeless people. It, are they starting to come down to Laguna Nigel now? 
Um, no, it's it's um, you know some of the surrounding surrounding cities do have a, a larger problem. I think over the last few years, like Dana Point and San Clemente, yeah, um, they're more kind of on the beaten track. We're we're kind of off the the main highways. Sure. Um, and and I think I believe we have some sort of a task force associated with the police that kind of know there are a handful of homeless people and they they know who they are. They have family in town or something. They just um, for whatever reason are are living outside. Um, and they they get to know them, and they want to make sure they're they're safe and, and treated uh, well. Um, so I, I think that's a good plan. But um, you know, as things get worse, I can imagine people in LA going, you know, there's a whole tent city going on here. I can go find a nice park in in Laguna Niguel, and 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 you know, we need to come up with a plan on how to how to help those people. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's better to to do it ahead of time. Of course. There is that saying, if you build it, they will come. So you don't want to, I, I don't even know how you would necessarily would handle that. Do you build it ahead of time or, you know, yeah. it's, it's a tough situation. I know when the, um, so I believe it was when Disneyland was building California adventure and, and don't, don't quote me on this. Uh, it could have been a different um, dynamic going on, but they were cleaning out the riverbed uh, up in Anaheim mm -hmm. and um, there's a, a huge homeless encampment and that kind of stirred the pot. And uh, this, the county, because there's a the plot of land right by City Hall is owned by the county. The county was was uh, attempting to put a homeless kind of tent village right there, which is you know not a great place. It's right next to the library and it's across the street from a daycare center. And yeah, uh, and the studies kind of showed that these homeless people were not um, not on a track where we could help them and get them back on, on a productive life path. They were the ones who didn't want to be in the sober living because they, they want to use drugs and, and things like that. Um, so that it was just not, not a good situation. So they started handing out bus passes and vouchers for hotel rooms across the county, uh, which is also probably not the best, might be a good short-term solution, but probably not long-term. Um, yeah, so I, I don't really know what the answer is, but I, I think there's probably a lot of people we could pull information from and ideas and come up with something. Yeah, that is the homeless is something my wife more so than me, even though I've been homeless, my mm -hmm. my wife, it, that's her heart. And and so she I through her and I've always been about going to Skid Row and, you know, living in downtown San Diego, you know, was very involved with just I became friends with a few homeless people that we would take care of. But not quite like the level that my wife took it to and and it's been very eye-opening because you get to see all the different types of homeless like they could fit into categories and it's you're right there is there there are some that want to be not be homeless and there and there's some that have mental health issues that with the right care they could get back on their feet some are just down on their luck they lost their job and then you have the others that literally just want to use drugs. And, mm -hmm. and I have, I don't have as much compassion for that, even though I was a drug addict. Um, and so I do get it, but you know, I was also willing to do what it took to have a home. I didn't want to stay outside and use, and it doesn't make me any better or not. It's just, I don't have the same kind of compassion and I don't necessarily want to do everything I can to help that population because really they just want to die and be high, be high and die, or die and be high either way, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. But the people that are mentally ill, and I understand this because I had DID and thank God I've healed from it, but that was rough for me. That was a really strong, that was a struggle that came from trauma. I didn't ask for it. It affected my life. I hurt a lot of people because of it, 
but I got right. I got help because people looked out for me and gave me opportunities and allowed me to heal and do the things that were necessary. And so I want to fight for those people. I want to fight for the people that lost a job or maybe they, they were ex-cons and they can't get a good paying job because working at McDonald's or Walmart's not going to pay the bills, especially in California. So like, I want to help those people. And that's like why we do what we do with our foundation there. So I, I, I get that and I can see that being an issue. And I know how Laguna Nigel can be. And look, that and cosmetically, like they're aesthetically, it can affect property values. And a lot of people have overpaid for their homes in California. So it's not an easy subject where you don't write a check and throw money at it. That won't work. So there's a lot of different things. But I got to tell you, if we can ever be a part of if when you get voted in office, we have a, a media literacy program. We love to teach and I'm not using this broadcast to sell you on this, but I am saying that we genuinely love to serve. And I love working with the homeless, my wife especially. And we have a media literacy center. And, and my belief and our belief is if you know media, you can do anything in the world. It doesn't matter if you've been an ex-con. It doesn't matter if you have an education because you can learn this and take your intellectual property and turn it into something. And that's what we teach. So really, really passionate about that. But speaking of education, one of the big topics that, especially with uh, young younger kids right now in, in the public schools is CRT, which is critical race theory. Can you speak to how that is affecting the community there? Has it already been instituted in the schools there? Or is this something that's still on the ballot? How does that work? Yeah, it, um, and I'm, I'm not an expert on that. And, um, you know, I can only speak to how my family's been affected. Um, so my kids have been in, in private school. We've been blessed to be able to do that. And one of the reasons was because we want them to, to learn, you know, Christianity and, and that side of it. But also we want to... Oh, <laughs> we want to have better visibility into what what the what the you know curriculum is and what they're being taught. Um, but I you know we do know other people and have heard that there is some CRT in the school systems. I'm and I'm not sure if that's school district to school district or what. Um, but we you know I think with the online learning that went on during COVID and things where parents were starting to see what was being taught, um, it, it became you know as you know more public and then all the all the hoopla uh, arose out of it. But we actually um, we actually switched schools. Uh, God, it's it's a blur now. Probably towards the end of 2020, over Christmas, one of my daughters was having headaches and and um, just kind of anxiety going to school with a mask on every day. And we had gotten a, a doctor's note in the, the school, which was a, a, a you know a Catholic school. My wife and I had gotten married at the church there 20 years ago, and uh, our kids had been there since preschool. And the, the school said they wouldn't honor the the doctor's note. And on, on top of that, my daughter felt weird if we did get it honored. She didn't want to have to go to school and, and all her friends have to be covered up and her feel like she was an odd man out. Uh, so we ended up pulling her. A tough decision. And, and you spoke about my wife, very strong woman. Yeah. Uh, her mother's intuition said this is not a good uh, situation for my for my daughter. And, and as a dad, I said, no, she needs to be in school. We're not equipped to, to do this. And my wife convinced me to make make the leap and she she crushed it they both crushed it found a great online program um and then after that school year we we looked around and found a um 
another Christian school that was a little less stringent. We were able to, to find more something in line with what we wanted for our daughters. And actually, one of the questions when we interviewed there, I asked the, the principal, do you teach CRT here? And, and he said, no, but we teach our kids to think critically. And, and I think that's that's a great quote. It's, it's big difference. Yeah, we want to teach all of history. There's some ugly, ugly things that have gone on in our country, and we should all know about them. We should learn from them, and we should, you know, we should learn how to treat people equally and with respect. But teaching these kids are bad and those kids are are good because of this and that, and it's just not the right thing to do. Yeah, I, I agree, and and I and listen, I don't agree with the propaganda that's in the public school system anyway. And, and, and I, listen, I, I'm not, I'm not saying this. And I, and again, I want to remind people, this is not his words or mine. Um, I think the public school system as a whole is flawed with, with CRT or not, it's a problem. It's propaganda because what they're feeding you, I've, I've looked at some of the books I'm going, that didn't really happen. That's, that's, they're changing history. They changed history. They changed history when I was in school and they're changing history again. And it's, it just, and it just, it drives me batty. And I, the other thing that I, and listen, I'm so blessed to live in America. I love being American. I love the freedoms that we've been, that we've had. And of course there's an allusion to some freedom, but we, we do have a luxury living here. And at the same time, I say that, and it, I do feel sick inside knowing how we got some of those freedoms and, and how this country was built and, and understanding how gentrification works and, and 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 redlining and all that stuff like i am i'm deeply bothered by this but at the same time like i do think it's necessary in all areas that we tell the truth because we will never heal as a nation these race relations these these race issues the anger towards the police the anger towards uh, i mean there's anger towards the military even but if we don't tell, start telling the truth about what really happened, we are never going to heal the past sins and be able to come together as a nation or even a world. So I'm, I'm, I, I, anyway, I'm very, very passionate about this subject. Subject, the um, with your work of the military, what has been like? And I, and, and I, I do like I was saying before. I appreciate that too because I, I understand my brothers in the military. I've seen a lot of military or veterans left behind. Um, what are some solutions that are possible for military? Because you kind of have an inside look at this with what mm -hmm. you do getting to work with those families. What are some of the things that a city council can do to improve the livelihood of our, our men and women in uniform? Yeah, at the city council level, um, you know, I, at least in Laguna Niguel, we have a military su support commission committee, which I, I sit on. I was appointed to cool. this year. Um, so we sponsor a couple regiments, um, one Navy, one one Marine. And we, you know, we raise funds and we, we do barbecues and car washes and, and things like that. And and that that's all well and good. Um, you know, not well and good. That's awesome. It's a, it's a great thing for a city to do. And it, I'm proud to be involved in it. Um, at a larger level, I just at the the whole uh, the VA, which I'm I'm more familiar with in the the DoD uh, portion of it, um, it it's really not, in my opinion, a funding issue. There there is so much money in the VA um, that they could probably just write every veteran a check for you know a million dollars and maybe come out ahead. It's yeah. it's it's a mess. 
Um, and that's that's part of the reason why I feel like it, maybe it's somewhere where I can make a difference. Is if we can streamline these things, we can help help veterans get taken care care of. And and I think there's a there's a mindset um, similar you know, similar I don't know some parallel to the the CRT, where um, veterans there's a transition process out of the military, and there's a, a mindset that that we need to we need to teach veterans and 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 um, help them and and care for them. But they're not broken people. The veterans are not they're they're actually um very qualified to do just about anything they, they've gotten through a lot of them through war and things that most of us will never experience they're they're very resilient tough people and and kind of there's this notion out there that oh you know you're a veteran oh thank you for your service and, and you're some broken individual now um and and certainly there are very broken veterans that we need to take care of and we need to help them get the benefits they deserve and and um and honor them and and do all that stuff but uh, the mindset of of um you know somehow that's they can't do things is is not good for anyone yeah even if they have a, a mental i like to call it mental uniqueness um pcsd or did or borderline personality disorder you can people and i can say this from experience i thrived like sure i had chaos in my life but after i learned I didn't trust my therapist and all that. I kind of did it up, me and God, God and I did it, but I was still able to function and work and do like the things that I really dreamed of, like the gifts that God gave me when I applied them and I stayed in that, I was able to work at a high level and, and, and do other things. I mean, why we're so passionate about what we do is because I know it doesn't matter if you're kind of crazy because I'm kind of crazy. <laughs> not as crazy as I used to be, but I still am kind of crazy. Um, and, and thank God for it because I get to do what I get to do every day. And I love it. So mm -hmm. it's because you have a mental uniqueness. And a lot of the men and women uh, that have served battle with depression, battle with PTSD. They battle with suicidal thoughts. Look, we there's you they're, they're still functional, as you said. I mean, they learn skills in the military that just, I mean, carpentry skills, they learn so much leadership skills, team building. And it's amazing. Like even as consultants, like there's so many things that they can do. And I re kind of resent the fact you're right, that sometimes we look at our veterans, like they're broken, they're done. And I think our government can treat them like that sometimes. Mm -hmm. It really bothers me. So I love that you're passionate about this. So what exactly is the platform that you're running on? Yeah, good, good question. So the uh, fiscal responsibility, um, you know, our, we've got this idyllic little city here. The background in your your uh, Zoom here uh, looks almost like I could see my house in there. It's, I, mean, it's <laughs> I lived in that one, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have a pool though. Um, but um, yeah, the 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 city the city does great. We've got uh, pretty good revenues. Our our reserves have been dwindling over the last few years. Um, we built a, a, the city hall that you spoke of and then a, a community center, um, which took a, a chunk of our reserve. So we've got to really have a plan to build that back up with inflation coming up, um, you know, depending on sales revenue and taxes in the city, you know, how is retail going to do things like that? Uh, we need to really be um, aware of that stuff. Uh, and then, you know, the, the big one is always public safety. There's, there's like the big three that probably every single candidate running for looking into Gal City Council is going to say and probably every yeah, you mean it though that's the yeah thing. yeah, You're yeah actually I mean, 
Yeah. So public safety, I, I like, you know, professionally, I, I support uh, military and law enforcement and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a law and order person. So uh, whatever I can do to help our police services, I think there's some really cool things going on with, with police uh, work these days with the body cams and, and different tactics. I think you can do things a lot more efficiently than you could in the past by, by, um, you know, targeting where different things are happening and, and, allocating police force intelligently versus just blanketing a city and things like that um you know maybe maybe get rid of the speed trap down the street from my house things like that uh, and then uh i hate those things man yeah so then um you know we've got beautiful parks here in Laguna Niguel and, and uh, I think we need to we need to support our family values here by by creating more community in the parks and you know uh concerts in the park or movie nights oh. in the park things like that where we can really come together as a community and, and get to meet everyone that was one one thing that great for us that came out of the covid lockdowns is we we really got to know our neighbors a little bit and um you know do you need anything i'm going to the grocery store can can we pick up something for you oh, especially cool. the, the elderly ones you know so uh, as a community it's a it's a big city there's about sixty five thousand people here um you know, I grew up in a small town of a couple hundred. So for me, it's it's a massive place. Um, but everyone comes home and closes their garage door and watches TV or, you know, whatever the case is, or goes for a walk or something. But there there isn't a ton of interaction. I think we need to build our community through the open space and parks and stuff. I love that. Yeah, that's something that I the community is necessary. Every, every city, every town, it's necessary because you can't really change the world without a strong backbone. And that is the community mm -hmm. um, because the community, if it's a safe place, you know, your neighbor can watch your kids. If there's an emer you know, emergency, like you have those things that seem so leave it to Beaver and Ozzy and Harriet, not what we have now, but that's still available. I mean, we see it here in prior Lake, Minnesota. Um, this, I, this community has blown me away. Um, as far as how everyone vibes, everyone gets along. We have every different religion uh, represented in here. We have people from all over the world here. We all look different. Like I always thought Minnesota was a bunch of white people. I was like, I had to stay in Oklahoma for that. But we actually have a nice mix and I love it. That's what, it, you know, my favorite thing about living in Southern California, whether it was LA uh, or even Laguna or San Diego for that matter, is that there's a nice and, a, and eclectic and eccentric group of people that are there. And I love that, but those are the kind of people I want to build a community with. So mm -hmm. I love that. Now I got a question too. While all the the, the COVID crap was going on, and I, I guess technically it still is, but when all that was going on with LA being super strict, and did 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 you see that cities started to like people were escaping LA to come to Laguna, um, like and there became like more of a because I never noticed like a city rivalry there. Like, we're like, oh, you're from LA? Well, I'm in San Diego, so screw you. I never saw stuff like that. When I lived in Oklahoma, oh my God, it was terrible. It was like, it was like junior high, but worse. <laughs> it was terrible. Like, oh, I'm from Dallas. And like, it, who cares about any of this stuff? But did any of that happen? Like when COVID was really, really bad? Yeah, I would say um, because Los Angeles was, was so locked down. I mean, I, I think it still may be. Um, Orange County in particular, I think in California is kind of a, um, I don't know, I, I hate to label it right and left, but it's a red, red area of a, mm -hmm. of a deeply blue state. Um, and the restrictions were less here, you know, take that for wherever it is. Um, 
So uh, yeah, people would come from LA to go to the beach because the beaches were shut down um, in Los Angeles, which is just crazy. Um, and uh, you know, our restaurants at some point were open outdoors, where Los Angeles didn't have restaurants. So we we would get people coming down, uh, which is which is great for our economy. Um, sure. Yeah. So and I grew up in Northern California in Marin County, and uh, my brother still lives up there. And he he said it was it was just insane up there where he you know he's out taking a walk and someone's riding by on their bike with a mask on yelling at him. Is it Marin County where they have the the mountain bike companies there, right? Yeah, Mount Tam is a big mountain. There's a lot of mountain biking going on. Man, I I didn't mountain bike when I lived there. I I, I started doing it after I left, but I can't wait to go back and start mountain biking there. Um, man, I um. I, I, I'm, I'm inspired by what you're doing. Um, I think it's I, anytime anyone steps up, I, I kind of, I, I keep hearing this whisper that I'm going to run one day <laughs> and I think, thank God all my stuff's already public. So it's like, what do you want to like hold something over my head? I already told on myself, what are you going to do? Um, but I can, I, I feel it brewing in me, but like, I don't know the first thing about any of the politics or I, I don't know how it all structures. And here's the other thing kind of like my my relationship with Hollywood and the entertainment industry. I don't want to play by your rules. I'm going to make my own. Like I if I feel led to do something this way just because it's always been done that way, I don't want to do that. That's boring. Like how do you change anything? This is why we get stuck in this vicious cycle of nonsense and and greed and we see the same people so it's always the same refurbished ideas, nothing new, no change. And look, sometimes change is uncomfortable, but to grow and especially moving into this new, you know, revolution that we're going, the fourth industrial revolution that we're moving into, you can't, you have to change because guess what? The way technology is, it's going to force you to whether you want it to or not. So you, 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 it's good to have some fresh ideas, some fresh faces, so to speak. And, 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 and let's, let's try some new things because the world is doing that. We should be doing the same thing, both locally in our local government, but also as a nation. But from what I can see, it's just a lot of people trying to do the same old thing, but with people like you stepping in and running for office and are going to win, then we're going to have other people doing it too. And eventually we'll start taking over the States that people with these new ideas and bringing bringing the people that have been left behind for so long. And again, not the political speak, no man left behind, not that crap, because it's a political line. Mm -hmm. But somebody that's sincere, that maybe they won't even say it, they're just going to do it. They're going to put policies in place that are going to actually give people a chance. And that's something to me, all you really need is a chance, like to give an opportunity. I think about my life when I was struggling, I ended up, um, I don't know how many people else can say this, but I went to L.A. with a million dollars and eight months later I was homeless. I mean, but that was the life I was living my first go around in L.A. Um, that said, I, I remember where I was at, but somebody reached out to me and gave me an opportunity. And you know what? If they wouldn't have done that, I would have been dead. There's no doubt about it. I would have been dead. So but I but it's because somebody could think outside of the box. Somebody was willing to take a chance. And I see the same thing with you running for office. Like you didn't know that this is what you were going to do, but you know what? You wanted to make a difference. And for that, you have my vote 
you have my full support and uh and i'm also inspired by what you're doing i appreciate that i um um i think i was similar to you where this is definitely not something i ever plan to do and and um you know the, I, I say things that are probably not the right move politically um <laughs> you know for me a win is just being myself and trying to trying to run this campaign with my core values intact and if i win great if i don't uh, you know there's a reason and i hate to sound it sounds um i'm a fool of myself to say people like me don't run for office but there's a reason I can, and I can see it now because I've dipped my toe in, and, and it's ugly. There's, you know, there's the powers that be. There's the status quo. There's, and and we're at this small, little, beautiful city with very little problems. Um, you know, there, there's, it's not. At the, well, I, I don't want to say it's not rewarding because I've met some really great people and I've learned a lot, a lot about myself and, and all the, all the wonderful stuff that's come out of it. But, mm-hmm. um, it's it's not a fun thing most of the time. And, and for me, it's not, I, I don't enjoy having my name out there. I don't, I'm not a real public person. Uh, I'm not looking to, to, you know, make myself feel good by sitting up at the city council meetings and, and grandstanding and things like that. Uh, you know, honestly, I'd rather not, I'd rather sit at home and, and focus on my business and my kids. Um, but you know, like you said, I feel called and, and, uh, you know, God put this opportunity in front of me and it's time for me to lean in. Yeah, I love it. Well, uh, tell everybody your website where they can find you, where they can support and contribute to your campaign. And also, folks, that uh, you'll be able to go to livemonoworldwide.org. You're going to be able to see, uh, you get more information about Jeff, what he's doing, how you can contribute and support uh, what he's doing. And uh, But anyway, go ahead, sir. Sure. It's Jeff for lncitycouncil.com, J-E-F-F, and then F-O-R-L-N citycouncil.com that's my website you can read all about me and see a picture and <laughs> it's a trip the whole thing but uh yeah i appreciate any anything anyone can contribute we're right now we're really trying to show some funds so that the the big players and the powers that be uh, take me seriously well if you need to ever come back and uh use our <laughs> media platform it's welcome so I again, I mean it because I I've, I've been blessed to get to know your wife a little bit through interviewing her and her sister, um, and then just following her and now getting to learn more about you. Like I'm Team Van Walberg, so <laughs> I, uh, I, I got I got three votes. Yeah, <laughs> me, man. my wife, and you. Yeah, God bless you, brother, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you, I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Talk talk to you soon. Bye bye, Jeff Van Walberg, everyone, and I love that. And I and it's inspired inspired me and I, it's probably now I'm going to get super obsessed with the idea of um, running for office. I mean, I am the world's mayor, but that's a funny story about San Diego. But I am definitely that. And of course, if we ever go to a one world government, I guess I can officially run for world's mayor. Anyway, I don't know if that's an appropriate joke. Anyway, you guys check out his website. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And you know, I forgot to ask him. But he kind of answered the question, so I didn't have to ask. But it was like, how can you, you know, you're running for office. How do you stay true to who you are, still run, and expect to get votes? Because I'm my authentic self, and I know I rub some people the wrong way, especially with my, not only my belief system, but what I believe about what's really happening in the world and, and so on. But how do you do that? Without, because you know, when you run for office, you become a, a target, and and and, all, and then people start digging into you. And he was right; those local politics. My cousin ran for office 
or the cousin's husband ran for office. And they dig into everything. They'll go to your second cousins. They want to find out like who you've slept with. They want to like check out your internet history. I mean, they dig into you over local po politics. Can you imagine what a president goes through? I mean, my goodness. I mean, you have to have thick skin and like who would sign up for this? Guy's a pillar of the community, runs a successful business. He's already helping people. And now he's going to go, and I'm sure he didn't get attacked. And now he's going to run for office, and all of a sudden the spotlight's up his butt. And I mean, who signs up for that? Men that are called, women that are called. And that is why I'm inspired. So check him out. God bless you again. Thank you for being here, and we will see you next time.